Thanks for listening to this sermon from the Image Church. Find out more about us and our weekly services at imagejesus.com. All right, so today we're in the, uh, as you know, we're in the series, The Book of Acts. Um, We're in chapter three is what I'm going to be preaching out of. Um, Just a little bit of context of the disciples have been being led by Christ for for a couple of years. And then um, they just saw Jesus ascend um, into the sky, which is mind blowing. And um, Jesus is like, yo, wait, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit falls at Pentecost. Everybody's like, what in the world is going on? There's a big uproar in the streets. Um, They come out, they preach the gospel, and like 3,000 people get saved in one hit, right? So real quick, just get into the concept, the idea of that. You've been rolling with Jesus. You see him get brutalized on the cross and killed. Then he raises up three days later. And so your homie who you watch get killed is sitting there like in front of you. He ain't homie no more. You're like, yo, you are, if I kind of even didn't believe I believe now you're a Lord, right? Then he goes, then he tells him, wait, Holy Spirit's coming. Yo, we got a work to do. We got a mission. You know what I'm saying? I'm out of here, but I'm not really out of here. And it's about to pop off whatever Holy Spirit, your helper is going to come. All right? So that's where we're at in that. And then, you know what I'm saying? Once the Spirit falls, a big uproar happens. They preach the gospel. 3,000 people say, put yourself in that place. If you can, as much as you can in your mind as I'm preaching this, try to think about what it would be like witnessing that and being in the midst of that. All right? So... Now we're at Acts chapter 3, and I'm going to just go ahead and read this and, um, and roll through this. This book right here is so, you know, for lack of better words, it's so juicy. Um, you know, that may just, you know, disturb some people. But the, the, the text is so juicy. There's so many, di- like, I could preach a million things. So you may walk away and go, why didn't you hit that, hit that, and hit that? There's too many things to hit on this thing. All right, so I'm going to just do the best I can. And I'm going to kind of go with where I felt like God was leading me to hit. But it's an amazing text, and I really enjoy working through it, and I'm really excited to preach it to you. And, um, but it's so much. If I seem a little schizophrenic, like I'm all over the place, just put the pieces together and make it work. All right, so help me out. All right, let me read it to you. I'm going fast because it's a lot, too. Not, I'm just going fast, all right? So y'all wrote me. All right, so chapter 3 starts off like this. It says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Sounds like this is something they routinely did. And then in verse 2 it says, and a man lame from birth was being carried, who they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. So basically he did that every day. And in verse 3, it says, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. So you got to think about it. He's there trying to get a little paper or whatever, or alms, whatever that is. Maybe that's short for almonds. Maybe he's trying to get his fiber game up. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But since he was a beggar, I think he was trying to get some money or whatever, right? So alms must be money, all right? I want to lean to almonds, but I just, it doesn't go with the rest of the story, all right? So he's sitting there. He's asking for the money and the whole deal or whatever. And, and then they say, yo, they say, look at us. So it's like, you know how we normally do our regular, yo, I'm busy. I'll throw you a dollar real quick, shuffle. That one day they slide by, they like, yo, homie, look at us, right? They get us attention for real, like, look at us. And he's like, oh, junk, they about to cut a check. Oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? Either that or they about to come through with them almonds or whatever he thinks they about to do. All right? But he's excited, right? 
So before we go there, right, before we go there, so I want to say this right here. So when we started this series, the first, um, when we started in the first chapter, one of the things I talked about was um, this idea I talked about the church. How do we become poor again? How do we slow up enough for people to be able to get on the on-ramp and be a part of what God is doing here, right? Y'all remember that? Um, it seems like ever since I have been, I, I mentioned that, it's like God has been pricking my heart with it. Right. And so I've experienced a couple things. I've experienced myself failing miserably at it and I've experienced the joy of actually slowing down and doing it. So it's been this kind of uh, it's, it's been amazing, all, you know, pretty much all together, whatever. Right. But I just feel this thing where God is like you now the Bible talks about the sea falling on stony ground. You know what I'm saying? And then it talks about putting it on the fertile soil. So when I hear that, basically what that really is, it's like. Yo, when you relationally take the time to speak to somebody and you get to know them and then you can actually apply the gospel and put the, you could lay the seed in the place it needs to be laid. You feel what I'm saying? So people are sometimes, I'll give you a picture of it. So, you know, you may have a beef with somebody with the way, whatever their sexuality is, right? So we can stand off in the distance and we can shout whatever at them. And sometimes we're shouting you know, the gospel, but it's not out of love. So it's like we just throwing seeds on hard ground, right? But what if you took the time to actually talk to a person, learn about them, and walk through with them? You get what I'm coming from? Like you do the long work. Don't, don't throw it on the stony ground. Get to the soft ground. You get where I'm coming from? So God has been pricking my heart about that, about how do we slow down? to let people get on, on, on track. I'll give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, we were inside a service, and there was a, um, there was a gentleman that came to church. So he, cut, he called me before church. He was super loud, and he was like, yo, I need money, my car. It, he had a crazy story with the whole joint. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was the most amazing story, whatever. And I was just like, I, you know, honestly, I didn't really believe him. But, you know, he was like, you know, I need money for this, this, and that. I said, all right, check it. After you're going to stay here for the service, because I wanted him to see the word. He said, all right, be here for the service. I'll talk to you after the service. After the service, I see him in the room, and he's walking around, and he's like literally when he's talking, he's almost screaming at the top of his lungs what everybody talks to. And I'm like catching him at the side of my eye while we're up here praying for people, and I'm like, dang, I need to, I need to go get homie or whatever and kind of straighten the situation out. So finally, church is over. It's like three hours. My kids and wife are out there like giving me that face like if you do not hurry up. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm feeling that on my back a little bit too. And then I, I sit down and talk to him and immediately in my mind I'm just exposing everything. I'm just going to lay all the dirt out. In my mind I'm like thinking to myself, I was like, wow um, I need to go. I feel like my man is playing and I'm thinking about how do I kind of get him out of the door. You get what I'm saying? And in the same moment that I do that, it's like God is just like, uh, uh, uh. So I slowed up. I slowed up. And I just started talking to him. I did a look at us on him. You get what I'm saying? Like I slowed my busy life down and I slowed up and I said, yo, homie. I said, man, I said, yo, you like, yo, you really extra hype. Let's talk for a minute. And I start talking to him about the gospel. I say, yo, do you know the gospel? And first thing he does is run up his whole list of all the amazing things he's doing to earn God's love. And I was like, yo, bro, you're basically like you're an enemy of God, like the way you're rolling. And he was like, what do you mean? I say, yo, you're an enemy of God. And I told him the gospel, the good news about what Jesus did for him, not what he's trying to do for Jesus. Like that's completely at war with the gospel, right? And it was amazing to me because this guy completely... He lowered his voice to a whisper, and then he started crying, 
and we prayed together. You get what I'm saying? And it was amazing, you know, for that moment, and I don't know what's going to happen after that. He said he was from out of town and everything else, and I pray that God continues to work through that. But it was an amazing thing, you know, that, to share the gospel with him, but it was so amazing for me to feel the beauty of slowing down for a minute, right? And what really happened in the midst of that is that when I was sizing up, like when I'm sitting here sizing up where I, I basically wanted to get rid of him because my perspective of how gangster the gospel is was like real small, all right? So while I'm sitting next to him, it's like God is like, yo, why do you act like what I did on the cross is it's not enough to deal with somebody who's just a little loud and rambunctious. Or, do you get where I'm coming from? And that just hurt. It hit me. I'm not trying to make myself the superhero in the story. Believe me, I'm going to tell you I done fell several times over after that. But that's what God spoke to me. And when I was reading this text, I looked at it and I was like, just the way they stopped and the, and the intentional aspect of them saying, look at us. There's something huge in that, right? And that's what I feel like God's telling us to do, right? So let me read this to you. 1 John 4 says this right here, 18. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. So I say that to say the reason we don't share the gospel is not always based around the I don't know how, as we would say it. It's often fear, it's selfishness, and it's a blurry view of the perfected love we find only in God our Father. Are y'all with me? Are y'all awake? Do y'all hear what I'm saying that? If you don't believe me, check this out. Peter went from being straight. I don't even want to call him a coward because I don't even want to assume that while they dragging Jesus through wherever, beating on him, punching him in the face, that I would be like, yeah, I was with him. You know what I'm saying? I don't even want to play that game. But for the sake of the story, Peter goes from being a straight-up coward, seeing him on the cross, seeing him raise up three days, seeing him ascend to heaven, to standing declaring the gospel in front of the same people that just killed him, like, like he don't care. We saw that in chapter 2, and by the time we get done, we're going to see him in chapter 3. You get what I'm saying? So, like, this idea of timidness and everything else that sometimes we grab onto, and it may be true at times, but we grab onto it too hard, and we act like the, the, the cross is not that gangster, but it is that gangster, right? So what is Peter seeing? Peter, he's, he's seeing and he is believing and it is doing this thing that is bringing up this boldness in them. Y'all get where I'm coming from? All right, we're going to keep rolling. You know, if you don't, if you have a hard time finding your brokenness in, in, in a conversation like this and where you miss it at, start trying to share the gospel with people out of your own strength. Like, start trying to run the streets and be a hero and just evangelize on your own strength. What you will find very often is how selfish and how many times you will walk away because even though you have the most grand, greatest, right opportunity, you will find yourselves in a situation where you'll simply just choose you. This is a work that we, we, that, that is done through the Holy Spirit. Y'all get where I'm coming from? Um, one of the ways that we approach this is we approach it through... Um, well, let me say this right here. You know, one of the things that um, when I was reading this, because knowing that Luke actually wrote Acts, I started looking back at Luke, and I was looking at um, 
um, the story of Lazarus because he also, you know, uh, Luke wrote that story also, and he gave an account of it, and it starts with Lazarus being on the wall, you know, outside of the wall, being a beggar. I don't think he's begging for almonds at all in his story at all, but he's begging for something, and the rich man comes out and passes him all the day, you know, all the time. And so when I saw that and I was reading this story, I just was thinking to myself, like, yo, how many people is like, are, like, outside, are, are, are in our circumference relationally that we have reached to? that we walk past all the time. Like they like out in the open and they're begging for us to slow our day down to just say something. You get where I'm coming from? All I'm saying is not, I'm not trying to condemn you, I'm just saying take stock and ask for the Holy Spirit to open your eyes so you can see and start catching them like, man, I pass this dude all the time. Let me, let me stop. Let me do a look at us on him like, homie, look at me real quick. I got something to tell you. I got the good stuff. It's not you got the good stuff, you got the good stuff. Do you get where I'm coming from? It's not, it's not on us. It's not on our back like that to be perfect. But we got some news about a perfect, good God. So we need to stop. Deli- we need to stop. Take a minute. Take stock and deliver it, right? We don't need a plan to, on how to attack the problem of forgetfulness or the selfish, selfishness better. We need to repent. We need to cry out for true repentance and ask for the Holy Spirit to steer our hearts. Um, you know, I say that because, like I said earlier, you can't do this on your own. And you, and you will find yourself not good in the story. We will see your sin in the story of trying to evangelize and share the gospel with people. You have to stop and you have to ask for the Holy Spirit to guide you. But at the end of the day, just like with Peter, it's a poor perspective of the cross and what it really, really is, right? It's, it's a poor perspective of what it really is. And so I say all I have to say is this right here. When, when you start talking about stuff like repentance and stuff and like repent and selfishness and everything, everybody clams up. That's when we get all the emails. But what I'm trying to tell you, like, repentance is a beautiful, sweet thing God has given to us. Do you see where I'm coming from? Like, we, you know, like, when we, were in, when we ended chapter 2, we talked about this idea that, you know, like Peter was saying, like, yo, escape this corrupt world. And I was talking to you all about, like, how naive are we that we walk around always in arguments and different things, but we're really contending with whether we really believe it's really corrupt. It's corrupt because he says it is, because the Lord says it is. It's so corrupt that he had to leave his throne to come die for our sins. You get where I'm coming from? And so what I'm saying is the fact that we as his children have a place at the foot of the cross to be able to come and admit our sins, receive mercy and grace and be washed over with that. Man, that's, that's something serious. It's a beautiful place to be. It's like it hurts a little bit, but it feels so good at the same time. You're getting the worst news of your life, and you're getting the best news all at one time. That's, that's, that's our step. That's how we roll. That's what, that is the sweet spot for us. Worst news, best news of your life all at one time, right? All right. Keep reading. All right, so verse 6 says this. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. (laughs) It's in the text, yo. All right. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. All right. And it says, verse 11 says, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded, 
ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Let me tell you what piety is real quick. Here's the definition. Piety is the quality of being religious or reverent. Um, The synonyms are devoutness, devotion, um, religion, holiness. Um, He's making that statement. This is an important place to stop because he's making a statement because most people do good works not in service to God, but they do it in service to their piety. In other words, their religious, high, lofty reputation. Do you get where I'm coming from? Yo, being a good guy is lucrative these days. You feel me? You can take that whole thing and run with that brand and make money all day and be the good guy. You understand what I'm saying? But God has a, you know, they're going to tell us a recipe for what you do with that. Because the fact of the matter is, the Bible says, if you exalt, if you humble yourself, he will exalt you. But that's not the end of the story. It's not about you, right? So we're going to keep reading and see that a little bit more. But I just think it's important to know that because the Pharisees, they walked the streets. And they seemed like the great good guys or whatever, but they were actually not working unto the Lord. They were working unto their piety, their religious reputation. You get where I'm coming from? We, we, we hear these arguments all the time. I know you all hear it in the streets. You hear it with your family members and everybody else. People have a disdain for the church. They have a disdain for Christians, believers, all type of stuff. And some of it is actually warning, you know, some of it is because of people who have taken the platform and used it to further themselves or build up their piety. You get where I'm coming from? So this is where it gets, the water gets, it, it, it gets muddy a little bit, right? And this is where God is raising a race and a nation of people that are going to give him glory for real. All right, so... Let me just say it to you like this right here. When you do the work of God, when you do anything that is considered a good work in the eyes of mankind, they, people are going to try to make you a celebrity. Do you get where I'm coming from? They're going to try to make you a celebrity. People do it all the time with me, and I understand the compliment of it, and I appreciate it. So people will come to me and go, man, Jay, you, 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 hell, I can't believe you got eight kids. Yo, you're like awesome super father. I was telling somebody the other day, like I put a post up just recently on Facebook, and I was like, I was saying something about, um, I was basically like saying something like, man, like, you know, I, I really need to come before God more and learn how to forgive more and this and that or whatever. And like the post afterwards were like, hush your mouth. You're a man of God with power to the fifth. You know, you know what I'm saying? And I just was like, and I was just like, hey. A brother can't even repent on Facebook and tell the truth. You know what I'm saying? And like, I was like, and they tried to turn me to a superhero. And then I was like, no, my heart is jacked up. And I was just praying. And in the word this morning, I need to repent for some stuff. And don't you dare say that. You know, so the Lord orders your steps. And you're the hands of, you know. And I was like, yeah, you ain't getting the point, man. I'm going to fall back off the Facebook confessions and just leave it alone. People will try to make you a celebrity. You get where I'm coming from? All right? All right. But we see, Peter, he says, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power of piety we have made him walk? And then he says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servants, Jesus, 
whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life and God, whom God raised from the dead. I'm going to come back to this part in a second. But Peter be straight just hurting. He, 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 when he gets the dagger, he go all the way into the heart. Like he one of them brothers that just like stand over you and stick it in and look in your eyes the whole time. Like, ah, ah, ah. You know, put the elbow like, ah, like, yo, I'm trying to get this joint to come out your back. Like he doesn't play around like at all, right? You know what I'm saying? But so this is what we see happening, right? I want you to check out the pattern here. Like I said, we just saw it inside of Acts 2 and we see it right now. The Holy Spirit is making a straight-up uproar in the spectacle, right? And then Peter's looking like the man on it. They, like, and I mean, it's, only, it's only logical, because if one of y'all come up in here and, and straight pick up somebody who's been lame for like 30, 40 years and homies start walking, I'm going to be like, how you did that? You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be up on you. I need to know what's going on. And I pray you do the same thing that happened right here. But I'm just saying, like, the people are amazed and astounded, as all of us would be, right? And they roll up. Yo, Peter, what? Oh, my God. These men just healed, you know what I'm saying? John in the front who's always out there asking for almonds. He, they, he, he's, he got the almonds now. I'm just playing. But you get where I'm coming from. They would be like, yo, he's up and he's walking now. He's, you get what I'm saying? And Peter takes the joint and he just straight shakes it off. He's like, yo, don't even get it twisted. Don't even get crazy. He goes, Jesus of Nazareth. You know why he made, nobody said it like that? Because he's like, yo, you, he was, but he was leading up to, y'all just kill homie. I'm going to make sure you know exactly which one I'm talking about. It's by his power that we just did this. You get what I'm saying? So this is, this, this pattern I'm talking about is in full effect in our lives all the time. And we miss the way it's working. We miss the way it's working because we're on, we're on the wrong side of the conversation often, right? I don't want to jump in front of myself, but let me just say it like this right here. God is creating uproars, right? Let me tell you an uproar. One of the uproars is this right here. It's the fact that we're all sitting up in this church, black and white people, rich and poor people, all in here praising God together. That's an uproar. I've heard so many people come in here and go, yo, that's crazy. Y'all. I've never seen that before. I've met people from other churches, and they're like, Yo, man, we, we, we're praying for that, but we've never seen that happen before. God is doing something pe- peculiar on the corner of Liberty and Confederate. We always say that, but I'm like, I want y'all to grab a hold of what that really is. It really is an amazing work of the Holy Spirit. We're not smart like that. We just simply aren't. We can barely get add two plus two up around this joint. I'm just keeping it real with you. Like, but God is doing something, Right? Despite us. But one of the things it does do, it lets me be able to say that with full confidence, not in a fake humility. God is doing something because I don't know how to do nothing. Do you get what I'm saying? I come preach to y'all. I'll be in the back trembling about to throw up up until the point I walk up on the mic. No, I'm not. I'm not amazing with that. I don't know how to do that. But God does. You get where I'm coming from? So he's causing an uproar. He's causing an uproar. And people walk in and they come to, yo, we heard about this. We come to see what it is. And we get to point them to Jesus Christ. It's an uproar, right? It's an uproar. All right? What about when you are struggling and you're going through so much stuff, which I know a lot of us are, but you are still finding joy and contentment in Jesus Christ because you know that you're only going to be here for a short minute and then you're going to have eternity in heaven, right? And you know that you didn't deserve salvation, so even when you feel like you broke as a joke, you still run around praising Jesus Christ. 
That is an uproar. That is peculiar on this earth. Do you understand? Like, if you're having conversations with people, then you will realize how depressed, broken, how many marriages are hanging on by a thread. Do you get where I'm coming from? What I'm saying to you is do not miss the amazing things that Christ is doing. Don't be nonchalant about them. Don't just take it for granted. The world is corrupt, right? So when you see some good fruit oozing, yo, pay attention. Pay attention and know that the Holy Spirit is doing something, right? And people are watching. You ever have somebody roll up on you and they're like, you, you think that they think that you're just a straight joke because you feel like you're fumbling through life? And then they're like, yo, I've been watching how you move. And you're like, me? You, has anybody ever had that experience? And they're like completely impressed and blown away. And you're like, man, I'm about to get evicted. And you're just like, what, what, you're like, what do you see? You get what I'm saying? But that's an opportunity for, you know, to speak up in humility and say, man, I'm just trying to make it. I'm holding on to Jesus Christ. That's a call. Like, God is, God is doing the work. You're not, I told Big Fran one day, I said, and I shared this with you all not too long ago. Big friend is just as quiet as I don't know what. He laughs, he chills out, he sits back there, he serves all the time. But every time I came in one morning for the men's breakfast and I'm walking behind Big Friend, and I swear to you, I felt like God was just radiating off of him. And I had had the thought before because I was like, like, it's like five something in the morning. Me and him are the only ones here. I let up the gate and I didn't even say two words to him. He was just like working, just going. And I'm watching him moving and I just felt like the glory of God coming off of that. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, man, that was peculiar. It's peculiar. Like, people are going to see that. Not just, you know, other people who aren't believers, they're going to see that and be like, homie, why you move like that? You just got some soft ground to lay that seed on. And he, I asked him the same story. He said, yo, man. He said, yo, I don't got nowhere else to go. Jesus then came and saved me. I can't believe it. I'm trying to pour it all out for him. That's what, that was his response. That was his response. He said, I'm just trying to pour it all out for him. That's it. You get what I'm saying? An uproar. Opportunity for us to preach the gospel, right? It's another uproar right here. When people call us out on our sins. When they call us out on our sins. I told you all last, last week. Of course, if you don't have Christ, you're going to have to fight to the bitter end to protect, to, to, to defend yourself. Because the righteousness you got is all you got. Right? That's all you got. If you're a believer, your righteousness is purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, by a sacrifice on the cross. You get where I'm coming from? So I don't got to fight you. I can say, Dad, I did that? Man, I hurt you like that? I can repent? That is an uproar in today's day and age. It really is. People don't repent. People don't admit to nothing. Do you get where I'm coming from? In your workplace, in your life, and everywhere you go, this is an opportunity for God to ride in on you and for you to preach the gospel. So, I'm sorry. I don't turn into one of them screaming preachers. I need somebody on the organ over here like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, one of them joints. But seriously, like, I just, I, 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 I really, I really, 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 really love y'all. And I just really, uh, and, and, and I just, I don't know, God just really put this word heavy on me. Um, I'm going to go back to verse 13 real quick and read through that. We're almost going to close up in a second. So after all that, Peter turns his gaze. First, he turns his gaze to the lame guy 
the Holy Spirit moves, heals the guy. All the people turn the gaze, their gaze on him. And now they're all looking at him, going, whoa. And Peter uses this opportunity to humble himself and exalt the Lord. And he says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servants, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied. He's laying it to him so greasy. Listen, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. It's like, yo, he's making it hurt. You decided he's going to release him and you begged for it. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life. At this point, they're probably about to throw up on themselves, right? And then he says, whom God raised from the dead. At that point, I would have looked up like, oh, God, is it hope? Like, he's back? You know what I'm saying? And he says, to this we are witnesses. In his name, by faith in his name, he's doing everything to live. He, he's trying to throw Jesus through the roof right now. He's smashing it in their faces, right? Has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Completely takes himself out of the equation, right? You know what's amazing in this this story right here, too? Is that if you notice, this this was not based off of the lame man's faith that he was healed. This was... This, this text very clearly makes the point that it was off of Peter's faith, right? It was off of his faith. He had faith in Jesus Christ of Nazareth, right? And he runs up on homie, says, look at us. And he acts off of that. You know, when I'm, when I'm, he acts off of that, no pun intended. All right. I'm comedian mode, I'm sorry. You know, when man, I think about how often we spend so much time um, disputing, defending, trying to work out who is worth our time to invest in, right? So we say, man, do we, we, we assess them, their screw ups, their mess ups. It's like the young man I told you the other week. I made an assessment of him and and decided he wasn't worth the time, right? It's only in the goodness of God pricking my heart that even got my attention and and, and changed that conversation. But, like, when I look at this right now, I'm just thinking about how much power is that, that God is reacting off of Peter's faith and not the guy's faith. Do you get what I'm saying? So, like, where we assess people and measure them all the time, if they're worth our time and energy— and we get all extra intellectual with it, and we get so self-righteous in it, what about leaning into the Holy Spirit and asking the Holy Spirit to, you know what I'm saying? Get your radar right, help you set your gaze, and by faith move in on who you need to move in on. You get where I'm coming from? Like God has actually put that power on your side. He's put it on your side. Maybe they are just as crazy as you think they are. Maybe they're absolutely a nutcase, but maybe they're hanging outside of your wall because Christ is trying to set your gaze on them. You get where I'm coming from? 
You ain't going to be able to save everybody. But who is your gaze supposed to be set on? Who are you supposed to be looking at? Who's hanging outside of your wall that by faith, because we ain't measuring this about how, how messed up they are, we're we doing this by faith in how big the cross is, right? And if you're not convinced of that, then the work is now to say, Lord, show me you. Show me you. So I can walk around on gangster mode in faith doing that work. Do you get where I'm coming from? All right. So he tells them, you killed the author of life, and God raised him from the dead. He gives them the worst news, and he gives them the best news all in one blow. Um, this, this week I was with one of my friends, and he, uh, he was telling me about how much he's been stumbling lately. He's just like... He's like, bro, he's like, man, I, I am, I'm just a wretched, wretched mess. And he's just, he's just, he's just laying it all out there, right? And he is, as are we. And he's confessing this stuff, and I'm listening to him, and I'm going, man, this is beautiful. Because I know this guy's story. I'm like, this is beautiful that you're actually sitting here looking all of this ugly stuff in the face and saying it, right? It's on point by doing that. I'm like, man, you are going to a, a place of uh, a depth in your heart in your, that you're exposing that a lot of people, they just simply don't do it. They, they, they keep that for themselves or maybe whisper it when they're in, you know, alone. And, um, but then after that, he kept doing this thing where he was like, man, I just gotta get my, my stuff straight or oh, I gotta get on the right track. And I kept telling him, I said, I said, bro, I said, you don't think God is nowhere around right now. I said, but he's actually doing an amazing thing in your heart. I said, but the enemy just keeps taking you and railroading you. I said, you keep reaching for everything, you keep reaching for your goodness instead of reaching for Jesus. You get what I'm saying? I'm like, your problem gets resolved like that by the blood of Jesus. But you keep reaching for ways to actually work into goodness. I said, so, I said, so let me tell you this right here. I said, if you actually were to do all of the things that you said are good or would be good, I said, I've heard you mention your finances are jacked up, all of this stuff. I said, so let's say your finances get on track. Let's say you get your relationship with this person, all of this stuff, and everything worked out. I said, homie, your whole, your fix was never Jesus. You're still in the jam. I said, what does it profit for you to gain the world and lose your soul? I said, do you get where I'm coming from? And he was like, dag, so I'm not even, this ain't even about God. I'm actually saying, make my joint more comfortable and give me what I want. I said, exactly. I said, bro, when God shows you your sin like that, you reach for him and you reach for him only. That's it. That is, that is the process that I'm, I'm pushing from week to week that I keep saying. I'm talking about looking deeply into your sin and your brokenness so you can see Christ very clearly. Does that make sense? You know, this is, a very, this is a long story. This is a long story. I think I mentioned this last week. Last week I was at um, my uncle's funeral, um, and, and I heard his kids say when they got up to speak about him, and it really just touched my heart, because I always tell y'all, like, we're always looking for the slam dunk, like we're looking for the grand slam, like real quick. 
But this thing that God is doing, the way we can speak into people's life by faith, the way we can walk this journey out, it's a long story. And if you don't get to be in the story, but you get to share the gospel with somebody, and then you can just pray for them and pray that somebody else takes that and keeps watering that seed, right? But, you know, it was an amazing picture painted because these kids came up and they said, man, a long time ago, we saw our father become a Christian. Some of y'all remember, I think I said this last week. We saw our father become a Christian, and then over the years, we saw a very mean, strict man grow into a very loving, God-loving, loving his family man over this long story. You get where I'm coming from? Man, it's hope. It's hope for us. You know what I'm saying? First thing I looked at my, looked at my door, I was like, I ain't going to be this jerk forever. You know what I mean? Cherish your wise here. But it's like, there's hope. There's hope for people who God has called us to set our gaze on. It's hope for them. Just because you, like, hit them right now and they don't seem like they don't get it, man, this is a long story. But God is telling you to react off of your faith, off of your faith. And it may build faith in them. You get what I'm saying? When we go in the school system, we work with these kids, the only tool I tell everybody, people are like, I don't know how to talk to these kids. I'm not from where they're from. I don't care how cool I come in it doesn't mean nothing with these kids. You know what means something? When I show up every single day and look in them in the face and have faith in them. After a while, they're like, why do you think I'm worth this? Like, why do you come here? Why do you drive here? Why do you invest this time? Do you get what I'm saying? Your faith is infectious. And God, being that you're his child, that you're his son and you're his daughter, he responds to your faith and where you direct it. You understand what I'm saying? And who you invest in, he responds. All right. Be sober in your brokenness so you can be in awe of the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to say this last thing real quick. Um, we, we spend so much time trying to defend and be good that we're so broken when we sin, right? That we're so broken when we sin. And so immediately condemnation sets in and starts to overwhelm us, all right? But if what Peter is saying, and, and we killed the author of life, right? We killed the son of God, right? If that's true, then the place that you normally actually roll in is in this place of sin and brokenness, right? And then when the spirit produces fruit, you get to be in awe that fruit is being produced. Do you get where I'm coming from? So our self-righteousness tends to go, we're good. Defend being good, and then we mess up. We're like, oh, my God, I messed up. I sinned, and we deny it with all we got because we spend all our energy trying to be good. That's not what the text is saying. The text is saying that he had to come from his throne in heaven, and he humbled himself, that our sin is actually so ugly that his blood and his sacrifice is the only thing that could wash away the mountainous magnitude of our sins. Do you get where I'm coming from? Like, we are stuck 
outside of the blood of Jesus. That's it. We are in bad, bad shape. And, and, and so the prayer is, and the prayer that I have for the church is like, God, help us to see that. Help us to see that. Help us to see it so when you do produce fruit, we can relish in it, not act like we actually are entitled to it. Do you get where I'm coming from? We're not entitled to it. It's not us. It's not who we are. It's who he is. And he's doing an amazing work. And it's his fruit. When we do, when we, we, when we do good works, either they're out of piety to just for ourselves or either they're coming out of the work of the Holy Spirit. There's a big, big difference. And so that's my sermon for the day.